The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I am Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamond. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you today, Robert? Today, Russell, I am feeling like an activist. Good, that's and good. And an archivist. Woo! I might actually be an activist archivist. An arch activism. Yes, an ar- archivist of activism. <laughs> That's true. Yes, that, that is what I'm feeling. Yes. And that is because we are in the presence of greatness. We are in South London in Railton Road. Now, Railton Road, when I was just walking down to it, has changed so much. I haven't been to Brixton or Herne Hill for maybe like 15 years, but I used to hang out a lot here in the late 90s when I was making music. And it's changed so much, but it, it also does still feel the same, though. There's like a lot of new elements to it, but also it still feels like it's got its soul and spirit. And we are in um, an amazing studio, artist studio complex, with an artist who I've wanted to interview since we started the show. His legacy of photography is just extraordinary. Um, Decades of beautiful work a lot of it he actually made in his front room and we've spoken about him before with the wonderful Sonia Boyce who they used to live together in the 80s um, here in Railton Road itself so we've we've actually come to the new studio I think you've been here for two years now and yeah I'm so excited to be here there's a whole like photographic setup in front of us you'll be in there later yeah it's really exciting (laughs) so we would like to welcome to talk art Ajamu X. X. Hi, Ajamu. Hi, Ajamu. Hi, how are you doing? We're very good. <laughs> so, Routon Road, so we're in a studio, and you, your house is nearby? My house is like, I'm less than five minutes walk from here. Is it? So, yeah. so was you, because you've always made everything in your house, right? Yes. Your studio was in your house, the dark room is in your house. Yes. That's where everything happened. Was you looking for a studio outside of that at some point and this come up or was, was this just like serendipitous? No, I'm, it was just time to move out my front room into a space that was separate from my home. As so my home, as I've never been my home, it's because it's been work and home. I guess I'm, I got to the stage whereby I could no longer move things out of the front room like sofas and chairs and bring lights in and take them down then out again. No, so it was time to change. So home is now completely home, or do you sometimes work there and do things? I have my my semi-dark room. It's still my bathroom, playroom. Playroom. Yeah. I like the term playroom. <laughs> May as well go straight in there, then. Because you mentioned dark room and a playroom, and you are so proudly queer and so proudly vocal about desire and, and same-sex desire and men having incredible experiences with each other and it's all happened in your house and you use your house as like a player as a place for pleasure as well as work yes yes so i'm in the late 90s i used to run a club from my house called the black purpose network and which i was a sex club for black and asian men into rubber leather kink nudity so hence so basically i'm my space is kind of 
it's been like a multifunctional on many levels. Mm-hmm. It's I'm also a black queer library. I'm that your younger queers might come and do research as well. So once again, it's this self-contained space that does lots of things that I need it to do. How many people could you fit in your house at one point then for this? The most I've had for a sex party was about 30 people. I'm downstairs mainly and upstairs. So I've seen the invitations and they're incredible, (laughs) but there's something about the flyer where they're strictly by invitation and you never know the address until an hour before. That was the idea, yes. And you would call up this number and they would say, this is the address, but would it always be your house? Mainly my house. (laughs) I'm... And the way I moved, I'm um, the the part of time to I'm Luton. We went to Birmingham, we went to Holland once as well. So, wow. so and the parties kind of stopped because I'm my house just got known as oh that's the house that those dirty boys go and fuck basically and do all kinds of stuff. So hence I'm they got to a point whereby it then was more around people's safety and right, conf. Right confidentiality because then sometimes people would then just turn up I'm just because I'm I'm I fucked this after here it was right. then known and I'm like actually this is no longer tenable to have this kind of a space did it feel quite like a happening you know like the Bauhaus movement where it would just there'd be some event if you were in the room in the room where it happened it happened do you see these as kind of these sex parties as performance art as well no <laughs> no it, it was just um, a space where men came to meet other men, and but where our men knew that th- and they will not be shamed in terms of what they're into. Um, because I think there could be a lot of shaming around particular kinds of sexual pleasures. And kink shaming, yeah, yeah. And kink shaming stuff. And actually, I'm, I'm, people just felt free to do what they wanted to do. And then the Black Purvis Network then drew upon your sex parties that took place stateside as well. So then actually... And there's long history of sex parties, and from the late eighties, you know, blackjacks, um, the 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 workshop, and so, and so once again, it was then those folks stateside that I I'm drew upon in terms of my kind of sex party, and but also there was a a rhyme sex club at um, Brixton South called Attitude on a m- Monday night. And people were like, like, like I'm their breach basics. So it's a sort of underwear night. And but then almost at the end of the night, your black men would then congregate in one corner to try and play with each other. Because actually a lot of your sex spaces are still pre- predominantly white spaces. So actually for me, I was then curious around then how black queers were creating a black space within the context of a white club right, right. in South London, in Brixton. And then the Black Purvis Network then came kind of after that but then also in terms of my kind of mischievous politics I like the idea of playing with this double negative and so black I still think is to load it as negative pervert is and then network just sounds like it's bigger than it really is yeah, yeah. and so then once again it just played around with language as well so then actually I'm I'm I do like this sense of who knows, knows, and it's kind of, it's underground. Well, it makes it more exciting, doesn't it, as yeah. well? And yeah. do you see it as activism? Yes, I do. I'm, I'm, I see it as a kind of a pleasure activism. Yeah, pleasure activism, I'm, I love I'm, that. I'm, yeah. In terms of how we come together to feel good, sexual or otherwise. And so, yes, 
Yes, because basically, I think I'm. Some people are just not confident about who they are and what they are for all kinds of reasons. I get that, I'm, but I'm. I'm from a school. Part of my uh, politics is I'm. I always need to create the kind of spaces that I need to step into. Yeah, right. And then take it from there. So you facilitate your own. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I love that. So you were born in Huddersfield. In Huddersfield. In in 1963. Born and, you're, and bred. And you're 60 now. In October. Congratulations. Thank you. Are you having a sex party for that? or <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> you're smiling. <laughs> the idea was to have 60 people to represent each year of my life. That's the plan. 60 the invited guests. or 60 invited guests. And so basically I'm... And so I'm each guest will get like I'm a special ticket, a bit like I'm Charlie and the cho- chocolate factory action. ticket. Yeah, it's yeah. the golden ticket. The golden ticket. So hence kind of, it's like I'm drawing upon that. So that's the plan for my 60th. And then, and then with that, then also a very small family gathering yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah, to keep that different, separate, right? Hopefully, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So growing up in Huddersfield, what, what was the art you were seeing? What was you able to access museum-wise and institutions and stuff? Well, I'm, I'm, I kind of like I drew from the kind of clubs I was going to. I'm so actually, the, the main club for me then was called Charlie's Nightclub. Mm-hmm. And, and so at Charlie's Nightclub and was I'm basically a club that your town outsiders or freaks would 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 I go to on a Friday night so and so, 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 so be your queers, your goths, your punks, your skinheads jumping around to the gun club, Exmal Deutschland, the birthday party, soft cell, marketing members. So then once again kind of I'm that's kind of where I kind of I'm drew from and then I'm accessing magazines like Blitz as well. I'm I it got to art spaces and stuff, but it it was mainly the club space that I'm. I kind of met a diverse group of folks um, who who just didn't quite fit into a small town called Huddersfield. Yeah, yeah. mm. I guess the album art as well. Like you've discovered a lot of art through album art over the years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess yeah. if you're if you're heavily into music, you see so many images on record sleeves that it, have really affected so it, many artists. It's on record sleeves. I'm I'm so I'm I'm where I am kind of like got ideas from I'm John Peel was key yeah. I'm, I'm I'm so it would it was like that kind of was the framework for that I'm early 80s moment and then going to Leeds I lived in Leeds for a few years and then there was the the warehouse the phonography and so so this kind of like alternative and once again black queer mixed kind of spaces so I'm, so I'm I was a you know a goth kid, a punk kid, a two tone kid. I mean, you know, you know, I'm being in this small town that had very fixed ideas around race and masculinity and gender, and so actually I didn't fit that. And wh- when did you first realise you wanted to take photographs? And when did you first pick up a camera? I'm that then would then be I'm 1985. I'm so I'm co-founded. A magazine called Black B L A C, and so I'm black. And I'm, I was like I'm a glorified fanzine, and so we got five hundred pounds from Kirkley's Council, and oh, wow. to print down first one, and and the magazine I'm drew upon ID for sure, and then your fanzines that was 
around and there was like um, articles and photographs. So I, I actually I needed a photograph for an article that I was working on on bodybuilders. And then my mom bought me my first camera. So actually that's how wow. I like, picked, picked up the camera. And then also then I was then I'm taking images of guys around the town that I was attracted to, but then they weren't necessarily aware of my sexuality then. So hence I'm, I was living with my sister then. I saw my bedroom. They became this makeshift studio with a white sheet got pinned on the wall, big household bob. So then that's how I was like, I'm trying to work out these, these kind of ideas that was I'm um, going on in my head around black and gay because I'm at this point, especially during the um, 80s, your gay men were always white and I'm very, very feminine. John Inman, Frankie Howard, Ken, Kenneth Williams, Charles Holt Tree, and then your black men were always your sports stars, your drug pushers, your pimps. So then actually, I couldn't then relate to those images of gay men and of black men. Well, like you said, you're just creating a space for yourself. You're creating the art that you needed to see. Yeah. You were putting then. When did you know that you wanted or needed an exhibition of your work? Did you ever feel like you're just making it for you? Or did you always have the intention, do you think, when you started to get it in front of people? I think kind of I'm, in terms of getting those ideas in front of people, it was when I moved to Brixton. I then moved into Brixton Housing Co-op. And so then, in terms of Brixton Housing Co-op, you had Sonia Boyce, Timmy Fanny Coyote, a whole group of artists, activists, so actually, and then the house that we lived in on um, Railton Road, the folks that was coming through that house, Marlene Smith, Maxine Walker, um, Kabina Mercer, Stuart Hall, David A. Bates, the whole, as it due to the whole range of people that was coming through the house. I'm so, so I'm, I lived with Sonia Boyce, Ayo Banton, another amazing photographer, Kachi Kwok, and then we had around dark room upstairs inside the top kitchen across the road was um franco b uh, another amazing artist so actually that then was the space that i was now in that was your that was your crew that was like yeah, your yeah. your peers yeah and you were critiquing each other's work what was the reaction like especially at that time to your work being out there when it started being seen was there like a lot of well, attention I'm, and the the there were some challenges in showing the work during the early nineties, and the work got censored. <gasps> I'm I'm in Manchester, ironically at the Queer Up North festival. Oh wow! I I'm and you got censored at a queer festival at a queer festival just because there were some I'm erect penises there, right? Yeah, and so I'm there is this rule that you cannot show an erect penis more than 45 degrees in angle so and actually that was and the context and and also you I still have to remember that like I'm from my 89 section 28 was still this overarching ghost anyway yeah and so you could show a semi-penis semi-erect but you couldn't show full erect is that still the case now? Well, I'm basically, I'm, I'm, it was a film that I was part of called I Meet at My Penis on <laughs> yeah. Channel 4 in 2020. 
and that managed to show the first erect penis on British Turtle TV. I didn't know about this. And this is 2020. Right, we'll have to find that. I didn't know that was on. And so then, once again, I think that I'm, there is still a reluctance in this culture to talk about sex. And so basically, we are talk about sexuality, but not sex. We talk about desire and not pleasure. And this is a challenge, not just for queer artists like myself, it's a challenge for straight artists who I'm also want to do work around the erotic as well. So then, once again, I think that it's because in a lot of your public spaces are really civic spaces, the footfall comes from education and young people. That means then particular kinds of work will then be excluded. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be generous to say subconsciously, <laughs> Um, and but then and so then once again, it's about per- certain kinds of works and ideas are still marginalised, and then I still believe it's around the sexual body, and then I with my work, I think that the, the challenge has been, uh, it's because a lot of the conversations is around what is I'm done to black bodies, and I wish never lose sight of what's done to black bodies, mm. and also I'm saying well actually we are and. And also where I need a dialogue around what is it that we want to be done with and through our own black bodies. And then that then brings in agency into the conversation. And, and so then once again, that's a challenge in the context of the UK. Because actually, compared to Europe, it's still quite repressive. So then once again, we still have to always be aware of the cultural context that some of us work in and the kind of ideas that we want to kind of talk about. Do you have you felt obviously you felt a progression in your career for like the images to be seen, but recently have you felt like a, a change again where there is more censorship where it does feel like it's going back again? I'm I I think that things have shifted. Yeah. But then I guess it is about where you are in a relation to those shifts. So then actually, I'm still not seeing black erotic work, even by straight people, mm-hmm. <laughs> let alone black erotic work by queer people, mm-hmm. including white queers <laughs> as well, mm-hmm. and straight folks. So then, once again, I, I still believe it comes back down to the particular kinds of work. And then because then I think that there is, there is this assumption that if you're black, queer or black and queer your work has got to start from a right space narrative a deficit paradigm you don't start from aspirations celebration joy pleasure and the erotic and that's the challenge is for those of us that says yes but actually there's these things that we must talk about also and then because i'm the very out then about being into SM and kink and we're out then about being a, a rhyme SM master and a black SM master some of us are also marginalised within our black and queer communities as well because my argument is I'm you know the more that LGBT history mainstreams itself it's the more that it becomes cleaned up and palatable and sanitised and then the question and begs comes to safe safe it becomes yeah. safe yeah. and so so, so, and then the question is then, what kinds of queer narratives get pushed to one side or left out? Yeah, totally. 
do you have comparisons to, or do you welcome comparisons then to what Robert Maplethorpe did with the black and white photographs of kink, of like sexual desire that at the time when he made them was really out there? Do you welcome comparisons to? No, I don't. No, no, and and the reason why is because I'm I'm lots of us as black queer artists. I spent decades to decouple the black body from that narrative. Mm-hmm. It's a binary framework, mm-hmm. black versus white, yeah. And then you cannot talk about the photographer only. You've got to talk about the infrastructure that's built around particular kinds of artists. So then once again, I'm, I'm for me, there is far more interesting conversation to, to, to have than always going back to the white ghost of yes. the black body. It's not an interesting conversation. I think it's quite a lazy conversation. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, well, actually, where are the shifts and changes? It's because then, once again, that conversation then frames the black artist's work as always in opposition to. Mm-hmm. I'm not interested in in opposition to. Mm-hmm. I'm not interested in the white gaze. It doesn't interest me whatsoever. So hence, I'm saying, actually, no, and then actually, in terms of Maplethorpe, for me, his most interesting work was S and M work. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, the S and M stuff. So yeah. then, once again, people assume it's because then you're black, <laughs> he's white. Somehow, things are equal. No, it's not. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I love you telling the story just then about your mum buying you the camera. Yeah. And it feels like your parents have been incredibly supportive. And I read an amazing thing about when you came out their reaction was impressively progressive for the times. And it feels like they've been your champion from the start. Yes, I'm so, so my family, my siblings, my nieces and nephews, my great nieces and nephews, I'm, I'm, I will always kind of say on record that I couldn't be this queer if my family was not in my corner. I'm, I couldn't be this queer if they weren't there from day one. And... And they have supported the work when you're in the early days, your so-called liberal organizations weren't funding the work. Yeah. It came from some of my family members. That's incredible. And, and, and the thing is then we don't hear about our black families who I do that kind of work in a re- relation to the black queer experience because then I'm, I recognize that I'm not I'm every person will have my experience, but then I believe that there's this idea that somehow the ba- the black family is more homophobic, mm-hmm. right? And so I think actually until we bring our moms and dads, aunts and uncles, siblings into these conversations, it will then then shift that narrative and, uh, and so basically that's where I come from that's so well actually lots of us of I am black queers we're front and centre in black families yeah. so then until we hear those narratives it's still slightly skewed there, there's you focus on black and openly out uh, men but also ones that have been accepted by their families yeah which is, which is obviously autobiographical for you, but that that is something like a rule that you've set yourself with the people that you photograph, is it? I'm not sure. Not sure. 
I just read, I read yeah. that in an interview, and it's like you, you like to focus on the ones that have been accepted by their families. For me, it's both those who haven't and those who have. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm saying that it is weighted towards a particular kind of narrative of those who don't have that, yeah. whereby actually I, I think that my narrative is a lot more common that we give it credit. Right, and that's right. it across yeah. the board. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It needs to be highlighted more. Yeah. That, yeah, there's support there. Um, how important was... I love this idea that you began making it in your bedroom almost, like your, your early photographs, and then you moved it to your front room. And how long did it take to kind of develop the language of your photography? Because for me, I've always loved the lighting. And I know we spoke earlier before we were starting to record about the lighting and, and the whole kind of staging of it all. It's at The minute I see one of your photos, it's an Ajamu X yeah, photo. Yeah, yeah. Like mm. no one else makes photos like you. They're extraordinary. And, and they're, they're, they really are their own work world and you know like you just showed me a book you'd, you'd published recently which we can talk about later but the minute you open it up and every single page your, your work is so distinctive how, how did it how quickly did that kind of language evolve or did it take a long time to develop I think that that language is still evolving yeah. I'm I'm it's an ongoing process and I'm I do want the work to make people think about things differently it is kind of my worldview on certain things, and I'm, I'm, I think that photographs have got to make you think, and because I am come out of that post-punk moment, a slightly mischievous politic or whatever, I'm kind of also aware of what the work can do. So hence, kind of, I'm. That's kind of why I have a particular kind of stamp. It's still coming out of that post-punk moment to want to say, you know, fuck you. And and it, because then I think that the worst thing that an artist can do is to be afraid of those I- images that's in their heads. I think that you've you've I think I think that you've got to release those images in your head. I think the 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 next thing that that I think is dangerous for any artist to try and do is to self-censor. Do you have to catch yourself then to talk about self-censoring? Do you feel like I want to make this image, but I'm I, you're kind of scared to do it maybe or? No. 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 You nev- and you never have, or you, or is it something you've had to work through? I've had to kind of work through that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I think for me, there is a question always, well, no, right. I mean, right, if I then don't do the work, that's my work. What does that do to my sense of self, my sense of well-being, mental health, or whatever? So then, actually, it's that like I publish and be damned. It's that, and because and also then it's part of my northernness. There's this kind of northern energy that's very much kind of plain speaking. Chocolate is chocolate, not confectionery. I come out of that. So hence, there's this northernness and this Jamaicanness. There's this energy that the work has got to have is because that's what I know. Yeah, it's, it's, there's a directness. That's mm. actually a really great sort of what you just said is so perfect about what your work makes me feel when I, when I, when I turned each page in your book. It's like a jolt. There's a kind of... Yeah. And the thing that really struck me from looking at the book earlier as well is the tenderness in the imagery yeah. and the kind of the pleasure and joy and the, the, the atmosphere of that. It's like it's within every kind of section of the photo, even like the wall, like the way the light hits, like it's really specifically joyous in a way. Well, I'm, I'm, if I'm something is not going to bring you pleasure and joy, 
then why do it? It yeah. doesn't make sense to me. Uh, and for me, I'm, it's important that I create images that's, that's very intimate and gentle around the black male body because then there is a particular framing of black male bodies and black bodies anyway that's still violent and aggressive. And so actually, I'm, I'm, I still need to see very soft, tender images of black men. And then the lighting has got to do that as well. Because then also, I'm, I'm, for me, I am also, I'm probably more obsessed by process, production, the lighting, composition, craft, basically, yeah. beauty, and so on. These then are the things that lots of our politics don't talk about. So then actually, so then actually my work is crafted. I, I don't take pictures, I craft images. So then actually everything has got to sit well together and flow in a particular kind of a way. So then, yes, it's my signature. I'm, I'm, and I'm, I guess... That's like most artists, you want people to go, ah, that's a Prince song. Even from that first note, you think yeah. that's a Prince yeah. song. Whoever sings it, there's something, there's something that the artist will do. And also the artist still might not be conscious of what that thing is. Because it's then, unique to them, isn't yeah. it? It's just unique to them. So then once again, a lot of the way that I think and work and craft might not be tangible, yeah. but then it does something. What is yeah. the studio process then? Like you're talking about music. Do you play music when you're doing sessions and how often do you have like a session, a photographic session? Is it a lot of research? What is that? If it's kind of people who I don't know, either my research, um, just just to, to get a sense, sense of who they are. A lot of my early models were ex-lovers or fuck buddies. I have muses. I've had like I'm three over the decades. I play music and, and, the, and the music then is about the kind of what feel I'm trying to kind of work with. I might play pornography and, and watch porn as well. If I'm, I want to then draw upon that energy, it just depends on who is going to be in front of, of the camera. And so I'm... Uh, I'm sorry, if it's then not, let's say, a straightforward portrait and then it's a more conceptual, then yes, music comes in, porn yeah. might come in. It's because I'm trying to convey that something. Energy. Yeah, mm. yeah. And do then most also, people say yes, these these lovers? At what, at what point do you go, do you mind if I photograph <laughs> you? And they're like, oh, hang on a minute. Do they ever go like, no, 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 I'm okay. Let's just... <laughs> do people say no? Some do. Yeah. And some there is um, negotiations might take place, yeah. <laughs> just because that's how it works. I love yeah. that. So, how did you find? Oh no, I want to know about the research then. So, if you yeah. didn't know someone, when you say you do research, what are you researching? Like their background and if it's an artist, it could be YouTube, straightforward. Yeah, yeah. YouTube. If I'm, let's say, things have been written around them. I then might read that as well. Yeah. Because basically I'm, as somebody then comes into my studio, I've got to have like a nanosecond for us to connect. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, right. Somehow we just have to connect. If not, then the image just will not work. So then once again, I'm, I'm also 
if it's somebody coming into the space for the first time, I'm watching every move that they're making. I'm just clocking them. Just so that by the time then, and they then sit down, I've then worked out how I might photograph them generally. And the reason why I kind of work that way is because some people might do something that's quite natural to them, a gesture or a movement. That's what I look for, is the thing that they might not be aware of that they're doing. So then, so then I'm, and then linked to that then, for most of the people who sit in front of my camera, there's something about them that I have to find sexual, irrespective of their sexual orientation. It's, it's just something I'm like, I find your lips sexy, your nose sexy or whatever. And, and then that's what I then pull from. Mm. And then also for some people, if I'm attracted to them and they're not attracted to me, but they know that I am attracted to them at the same time, there's that energy that I can also draw from because then I'm... But is I'm, it a challenge for you to make them attracted to you then? <laughs> is there any of that? No. It's always a challenge. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but basically, I'm, I'm, I'm... While I'm... A lot of my work is playful and intimate, there's a slight intensity to my work of thinking anyway. Yeah. So then that's what I try and draw on is just that energy. All your work is studio-based. Yes. Why is that? Why have you made that a rule for yourself? It's a rule. It's because I'm a control queen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Basically. same here. Yeah, you've been, you're talking to two of them. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm. I think for me, it's because the studio is my laboratory. Um, this is where I work through ideas and play with ideas. So then, actually, I'm. And that's why I kind of like the studio. And then also, it and then draws upon a long history of photographers who work in studio spaces. So yeah. then, once again, I'm, I'm, there's something about the studio that I could come and read and think and photograph in my own little world. And that's it, really. And I'm the, uh, so I'm, that's why I am like the darkroom space. It's like my world that you can shut things out and that's it. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's a series of work um, here actually in the studio which are framed uh, portraits and they're of laughing, kind of a laughing series. And they're, they're, they're incredibly like joyous but also still very sort of sexy in a way um 
and I don't so always so well. They, they they are really really sexy, but um, there's something about the the grin, particularly in this in this picture. It's just it's so beautiful, and it sort of makes my heart melt a bit. Can you talk a bit about that series and why that was sort of how that originated? I'm the I'm the um, laughing series is a series of nude self portraits. Is that you? Yes, yes. It's 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 a self portrait, and I'm. I think I'm outside of comedy. I don't really see a lot of images of black men laughing. So then once again, it comes back to what are the images that I'm not seeing? And then also people have to think about, you know, what am I laughing at? Because then folks will not know. I'm so actually, I could be laughing at lots of the ideas that I find limited around race and sexuality. Folks do, do not know what I'm laughing at. I'm, I had one of my ex-lovers in the room at the same time as well. And he and were just being silly. So then, once again, laughter for me just, it's just, just trying to capture this thing called joy. And of course, it's a really, really hard to capture joy and pleasure that people can laugh as well or smile as well. So then once again, I'm... And then because then I've done all kinds of self-portraits, you know, laughing, you know, tied up, you know, facials, makeup, wigs or whatever. So then once again, this time fits into around history of my work whereby actually... I am then using my body to explore. And also it's about if I then want models then to impose nude for me. You need to set the precedent. I need to set yeah, yeah. the body. So actually, you know, I also pose nude. So then yeah, yeah. once again, it kind of does that. Because then I think it's kind of odd if if a photographer doesn't want to pose nude, but they want their models to. Everyone too. else supposed yeah. to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. And then that's just part of my thinking. It's more of well. quality, isn't it? It's Between. equality, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is it, when did you start using the self-portrait then? And you said this image, you had someone in the studio, but if you're doing self-portraits, is it quite a solitary thing on your own? Sometimes? Yes, is yes. Yes. Yes, so it's, I'm, self-portraits are really hard to do. Just because I'm, it's, I'm cable releases, I'm timers, I'm, measuring the floor distance from the camera to your body. It's a really hard work. But then also I'm, sometimes I couldn't find models to pose for me anyway. And then because then my studio was inside my front room, if then let's say then at 12 o'clock at night or three in the morning when ideas come, I could then just go upstairs into my prop box, take out props, take self-portraits, then go back to sleep. So it's kind of all of that is in the mix and you would put the the photos into the dark room and then sleep and you'd wake up and that'd be oh maybe i'm print as well yeah because then i'm i am work with film as well so hence all of that there's something you said in freeze where you said that poppers smell like photographic fixer which i found that that, the double (laughs) energy of the dark room and then yeah i love that yeah i love that so do you ever do commercial work then yes i do oh you do yes i'm i'm Commercial work, lots of private work for people. So I'm basically, I'm sometimes couples want private sex images. I'm so basically, I will then like just commissions. Commissions, yes, yes, yes. So then, once again, 
it's because then those like, people know that that work will not be used for anyone else. Yeah, yeah. And so then I would like a lucky note, shoot the work, and then they will, will then get the disc or whatever. So then that's where I kind of get some of my income is by private commission, really private commissions. Do you wow. like doing those? I do. That's it's, fascinating. It's, and then the reason why I enjoy it is because then as a photographer, I am also a voyeur as well. Yeah. I also people watch. So then actually, if I can then watch people doing what they need to do and photograph it, and then from there, then ideas might come from my own work as well. Yeah. And recently, you actually collaborated with a friend of ours, um, Danny Lee Winter, on his uh, debut yeah, yeah, play, yeah. which was at the Royal Court, Royal Court Theatre here in London. And Black he, superhero. I, I posted a picture on my Instagram, and then Danny wrote to me and said, are you friends with the Jamu? And I was like, no, I'm not, but I'm a massive fan, and, he, and I'll find a way to get in touch. So I connected you both, and then it led to a series where it's actually all over the billboards, like on the tubes yeah, and amazing. everywhere. Can you speak a bit about that collaboration? Oh wow! So I'm so I'm I'm I met with Danny once before. I'm uh, and I'm he, he I'm came here to the studio. I'm trying to talk about the ideas. I'm I read the play, and then I'm I saw his I'm um, early mood boards as well. And so I'm that's how it came about. And then we and then I went through a, a list of models. I think about six models, mm. and the one that we worked with was the sexiest as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> and yes, yeah, so I'm, that's how that came about actually. And I'm here. I'm also wanted something that's sexual, but not sexual. Mm. And so once again, I'm, I'm the actual outtakes for me are far more interesting personally than the chosen image, but that's how it goes. And so then once again, here I wanted the eye of somebody that does this kind of work anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So then, I'm sort of, I was then able then just to bring what I bring, and I it was a a great session, great energy. I love those photographs. Um, yeah. Very playful, very sexy, slightly intense. Yeah. Can we talk about scale? Because you okay. have you have three works in the Tate, and there's two of them that are self portraits. Yeah. Uh, one in a wedding dress. Yes. Which is stunning, but they're they're like passport size photographs. Yes. Uh, and then the one we're looking at just now about the the laughing one that's that's like 50 by 40 size would you say 60 what does the scale of having something that size do for you so basically into the scale i'm and then the scale comes from i'm during the 90s late 80s 90s in your phone boxes you had your calling cards for sex workers and there were business card size two by three inches yes Yes, quite With like small. a photograph on? No, just text on. Right. Yeah, right. Tart cards, basically. And Tart cards. Yeah, that's yeah. called them. <laughs> and then the, the thing with them playing around with scale is kind of, and because kind of during the 80s, 90s, a lot of your photographers, you know, your Jeff Warsworth was into really big work. Yeah. And so the thing with big work is that the viewer steps back from the work. Mm. If it's then small work, then the image then moves the viewer towards them. And then because then the images are then sexual or or I might be sexual, I'm you and then think think then about spectatorship and voyeurs and the keyhole effect. And so then once again, if you and then think about carry-on movies, the keyhole appears whereby people then have to go up close. And so then sometimes if I've been 
in the gallery, I kind of enjoy watching people not wanting to go up to the work. So then that's what kind of scale does. And then basically scale then brings in this one-to-one relationship whereby your big prints, it could be you and 30 people. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. that's why a lot of the early work was quite small, yeah. very intimate work. So nice. It's a one-to-one. So the voyeurism is quite a, a big theme, like the, the characters, the people in them. Do you want them to feel like they don't know they're being watched? I want them to feel like they know they're being watched and don't know that they're being watched. Right. It's both those things at the same time. Because then if they act like they're, they're, they're not being watched, that might not work. I think there's something about people getting off on, I know I'm being watched. Yeah, but yeah, like pretend. the awareness. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. for me in your photos, I always think about what's going on in people's minds as well, or even in your mind, like, because that's something you never really ever get with anybody. It doesn't matter how much somebody actually tells you what they're thinking. You never really know. But in your portraits, they're so like that intensity of like the interior world. Yeah. Is that something you, you sort of would think about a lot when you're like taking someone's portrait about the way that the, the inside of their minds is? Do you know what I mean? Like, Yes. I'm, I'm so I'm, if I, you know, I look through a lot of my portraits, a lot of the work, the actual model have their eyes closed. Oh. If you can't, can't kind of look carefully, the, 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 the eyes are closed in a lot of the portraits. And the reason being, it's because we're used to always looking through that social cultural lens around the black body or the black queer body. We forget about the internal worlds that we also have. So when the eyes close and then this other kind of move that that actually the, the, the model then is gesturing to someplace else. And then linked to that, is in a lot of the portraits, the models are facing left or right as well. So actually, if you look at images of kings and queens, they always look slightly left or yeah, right. What is, is that coding in a photograph? Is there a certain reason why they would face a certain way? It's because it's a, it is slightly aloof, but then it's an assess of power. It, because actually, yeah. if you had to think of images around black men, we're used to your mugshot type Im- images of black men that full frontal. So then actually then right. to turn away from that, you are then gestured towards somewhere else, another way of thinking and being so then actually that internal world then allows space for imagination and fiction yeah. and myth making and then these yeah, other yeah. ways of projecting onto it as well and the yes. narrative and Precisely. So then that's what it does. Yeah, they're more open images for the viewer as well. Like it opens up so mm-hmm. many avenues, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You describe yourself as an artist who's created an archive. Yes. What does what does that mean? So I've been documenting a black queer Britain since nineteen eighty eight. I'm from I'm I Black Fox at Pride in the eighties, early nineties, black queer events, club nights. And the archive that I co-founded with I'm Topher Campbell in 2005 was because your black social and cultural history rarely includes LGBTQ. Your wider white LGBT rarely includes race and race. And then basically, in terms of your national narrative, black queers rarely appear. 
Orion, if I am black queers, appear, the representations are very limited. So when the archive is then actually saying, yes, we're part of all of that and separate from simultaneously and then linked to that then there is a group of amazing younger black queers who they might not be aware of what's gone on over 10 20 30 40 50 years in the context of the uk some of the archive is a very much a black british archive and and uh, and then the reason why is also is because you know i'm from those of us whose parents arrived in the late 50s early 60s roughly first generation Black British born, for those of us who are then LGBTQ, the first out generation, and, and that we will then be the first age generation in the context of the UK. And the archive then came about because basically I'm myself and Tofer was I'm having this conversation one day about you know what will have happened to the stuff that we've generated when we are no longer here, yeah. and that was a question. And this is photography, but as well as ephemera, like Ephem- posters, flyers for club nights and club nights, flyers, posters, love letters, journals. Wow. Where do you keep it, or is it? How do you keep it? All? And well, the archive now lives at the London Metropolitan Archive, and they're basically care for the archive. Brilliant. And so I'm. Are you still adding to it as well? Yes, yes. Do you drop stuff off there every few years? Do you just do another batch of stuff that? been collected and folks have died we are they might get some stuff i'm i'm folks are moving folks and well look i've got this stuff yeah you're the archivist yeah because so much ephemera like you know like club flyers for yeah. example just get lost yes, and enough. it's so important to keep them because they're designed yeah. they're the the, the yes. text on them even the font they're time capsule like they, they are yes. time, and they, yes. so much love was put into them yes you know from a community of yes. like but there's one thing that they people. do not do on flyers yeah. and that's the year oh. and that's a and so i'm that's the problem with flyers is that yesterday the day and the month but the year is rarely on Why club is it? flyers. They don't do it on exhibition posters either. A lot of exhibition posters for like art shows have the months, yeah. but it doesn't have the year. It doesn't. I, Why I, is that? Design, I have no idea. So you've got to do detective work to try yes. and place and document I'm, and archive when that was from. Yes. That's so amazing, yes. like a puzzle. Yes. Of like, yeah. And then yes. also, I guess it's like testimony from people who went to that night or you have to like try and interview people and all of that kind of stuff. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So your current show that's on right now and it runs until September 2023, we're going to mention the year, um, <laughs> is that Autograph, which is an incredible space in London. And is it connected to the Stuart Hall Library as well? There's like a... No. A, it's not. I no. I wasn't sure if there was some connection. The in Stuart Hall Library was there. Oh, it was there. Yeah, okay. yeah, and ah. and um, it moved some years ago. Right, because yeah. that's the first time I went there. They, they were definitely both in the same building. Yeah. But um, can you talk a bit about that show and the new body of work and its show title and the the origin of that? Because it's a very cool story. So um, the show title is called "I'm um, Ajamu, the Patron Saint of Dark Rooms." <laughs> it's because I'm in twenty twenty two. I was made a saint by the Transpennine Travelling Sisters from, from my work. Were these uh, the same group that um, sainted Derek Jarman? A different... Different chapter. Other sisters. Yeah, like... yeah, yeah, yeah. Other sisters. So, I so and, and the patron saint then means then I'm the patron saint of all kinds of dark rooms, photographic, sexual, otherwise. And so basically we have then took that as the title 
and the exhibition then gives kind of a very broad overview of of my work and then also it then includes new portraits I'm platinum prints I'm 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 from those folks who then don't know about platinum prints and they're from the 1870s so I'm part of my practice is that I then also then work with traditional print processes Mm. and the new platinum prints uh, portraits of black trans men who, who are mainly born and raised in the context of the UK who are artists, activists, ordinary trans people. So I'm that's the new work on show as well. And then I'm, there is a dark room set up with latex and then you walk in and the light is red and then there is a series of portraits and that people will then see in this red light dark room tight space as well was it really um enjoyable for you to create like an exhibition space because i know you love creating the universe in your studio a world you um, world yeah making. so like yeah. doing that as an exhibition like as an experience for the viewer that must be so exciting it's i'm very excited i'm and and the darkroom type space is a made from latex so yeah. uh, so basically if you then go close up to it you can then smell the latex as well, so then once again, it's playing around with the photographic darkroom, the sex darkroom, yeah. aprons, rubber apron, that kind, of, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, and I'm, for me, it's about how do we talk about the senses and sensation, mm. not just the visual, but these other ways that we are in the world as well. So, I'm, I'm, as a darkroom artist, then. There is the visual, but there's sound, let's say water, chemicals dripping or whatever, and then there's smell, chemicals. So then once again, I'm, I'm, my thinking is to try and convey how we talk about the, the senses in terms of one's practice and then not just the visual. Yeah, because we experience the world so much through smell, through touch, and it's like something that people just take for granted. But actually, when you present it with it in an exhibition context, it's actually, again, it makes you wake up because yes. it makes you see the world in a different way again. And your photos have that too. I often think about sound when I'm looking at them, you know, mm. because there's often like, I don't know, sometimes you have different people together. And well, I mean, the laughter one, for example. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, just, yeah. That's a, that's a noise. Yeah, it's know? like, yeah. Yeah. Do, you, do you have to think about that when you're creating an image, like the, the way that sound might be like thought about when you're looking at the image? I'm the, the, the I'm creative process for me is not always that conscious oh right yeah i i think there's some things that's just tacit that you just don't know why you do something but it's there so then once again i'm i'm and the reason why i don't always think about it because then that still leaves room for playfulness and being curious because then if you then go in with a fixed idea you don't necessarily always allow the work to take you where the work takes you. Not you, but the work does what it does also. So so basically, that's why I don't always think, well, actually, this needs to do this. Some things it will just do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't want to limit yourself too yeah. much. You need the freedom, don't you? Yeah. Freedom yeah. of the expression. The improv of it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Spontaneity. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Like um, jazz. It's it's yeah. it's that kind of a improv. Oh, my God, jazz, I'm saying... You know, 
Artie Shep and Arnett Coleman or whatever. It's, that's the way that you have to think about the creative process. Right, right, right. So a year ago when you were ordained the patron saint of the dark room, yeah. um, I met Ingrid... Dark rooms. Dark it's rooms, plural, plural sorry. Yeah. The infinite dark rooms. <laughs> yeah. um, I had the great pleasure of um, watching a talk. Uh, it's actually a guided tour around Margate's Turner Contemporary with Ingrid Pollard. And um, halfway through the exhibition, I find a photo of you. It's the most beautiful portrait of you. And we've been talking on Instagram and then suddenly you there in front of me um can you talk a bit about other artists and their relationship to you because every artist i've met that knows you like sings your praises mm. you are beloved and not only to like beaming, fans right. of art <laughs> he's beaming right now i can see why you're beloved yeah. because you have such a generosity of yeah, spirit and fun and joy and like can you talk about ingrid and that portrait because i love that photo of you ingrid pingy is just awesome i'm i'm <laughs> great person great artist very generous just just a wonderful just wonderful beyond wonderful oh. I, i'm not sure what to say except w- I'm, when did that picture get taken oh i'm which one are we talking because there's two I th- i'm remembering it, it's kind of daylight and it's quite it's it almost looks like you're outside maybe in the white shirt yes i think man, so. ever trousers holding the box of chicken or something yeah, that I think one, so, yeah. yeah. then um, that was it feels like a late 90s but i could be wrong in terms of the time frame I don't know what to say. <laughs> What's it like you having have your picture, picture taken by well, somebody yeah. else? Yeah. Like when it's not in your control. Do you, how are you as a subject? <laughs> I've got to trust you. I'm, because I'm, I'm not a fan of being in front of the camera unless I'm doing self-portraits. And so I'm, if I'm friends are then going to be autographing me, then A, I've got to trust them. And there's some photographers... If they want somebody to impose nude, then, hey, Ajamu, I need someone to impose nude for me. You pose nude. So then, once again, that happens. Do you pose nude for a lot of other... No, it's more like you probably say no to a lot of other people, I'd expect. It depends on who they are. It depends on who they are. Yeah, exactly. If it you don't really trust them. It yeah. depends on, on um, who they are. And, the, and I'm, the first thing is, I've got to like their work or unlike what they're doing. I'm so yes, I've posed nude. I'm I'm I think I posed nude for Campbell Addy probably about two, three years ago now. And uh, you know, an amazing young girl photographer. So it's yeah, actually yeah. I'm I generally post for people if I'm f- a f- fanboy. Yeah, nice. Yeah. And the younger generation of artists, I actually met an artist um as I arrived today here, Cameron, Cameron um and you were saying that you've you, Cameron actually like shares the studio here sometimes and you've you've kind of opened your doors to your studio and instead of making it just for your work, mm. you want to share it with other people who might not have the resources, which I just loved. It makes me so happy. Um can you speak a bit about Cameron and the other artists that you the kind of next generation in a way? Well, I'm over the last like I'm Three four years, I've been mentoring a group of artists. I'm so I'm I'm I've just mentored Mayor Jeffers. They're just amazing. Matthew Arthur Williams, who I'm lives in Scotland, who I'm then does a lot of work around the body. I'm Alex Ikidi. What's happened over the last five years, maybe, is that a group of younger photographers. I'm going to use a word that I really hate to use. I've been looking for an elder, in the sense, someone who's been around for a long time. Yeah, right. Roughly in the same field. Mm. And then and then in terms of the UK, in terms of fine art, 
black and queer, few of us names will always come up. So naturally, that's been happening. I've been mentoring so 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 I'm I'm Bernice. I'm as a lost lost no 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 great artist that I am now in dialogue with. Do you like being an elder? Nope. No. <laughs> because of vanity of age or just because of responsibility or because what the elder argument does it um, desexualizes people. Oh right. That's what it does first and foremost. So hence I kind of push back against how people don't necessarily think about that because you know elders about being older and respectful of but but, but I'm from school hold a minute what does it actually do it then desexualizes people at the same time as well it's that like we don't think about old people being sexual no so it's, then, a, it's a respectful thing but you if you're taking away their kind of sexual energy yes 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 so basically i'm i'm for me i'm being around for so long now it's important that i continue to have these other kind of conversations and with i'm younger artists and then also i get to know what's happening also mm. yeah. uh, because actually there is lots of artists that i just will not know about that either get to hear about so then all that is then I'm I'm useful, and then also then it's I'm not just artists here, and an artist stateside that yeah. I'm also in dialogue with now. Do you look at painters as well, and as well as photographers, or is photography what you're? I look at photographers. Yeah. I'm I'm mainly yeah yeah that's where I generally look. Right, right, right. Yeah, there was a there's a quote you said that um so it refuses to see you refuse to see the body in terms of representation, but rather in terms of sensation or something open leaky. And I love that term. And there's an artist called Jonathan Lyndon Chase, and their work is very much about leaking and openness. And it's it's really amazing in paintings. In paintings. Yeah. And and I really suddenly thought that 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 really reminded me of their work. And I didn't know if you were aware of Jonathan Lyndon Chase's work because I feel like there's no, I don't actually. Oh, you I, should but check it out. I will check it out. Yeah. I, I think for me, it's how we talk about flesh and skin. Yeah, the actual material. Of the body, the actual materiality of the body, it's that's the bit that my life has got to capture. Mm. Is that is skin and flesh and pores and, and hair pores and that kind of sweat. And, and actually, um, the yeah. titles of some of the photographs in there, yes, some of the self-portraits have that in the title. Yes, list, don't they? just like feet and yeah, and stuff like that. And yes. it specifically sort of highlights that. It's yeah. such a beautiful thing. Can you quickly, before we go on to our final questions, tell us about your publishing house that you now have? Oh, um, yes, on so my. First book, I'm a drama archive that was published in 2021. Yeah. I'm via Kickstarter, and the press is called Spit and Spider Press. I cannot tell you where that's from, um, but I'm people will have to research where that that term spit or spider or spit and spider comes from. Spider. If you look for spit or spider, yeah. then basically we've then changed it to spit and spider. I'm basically the I'm press, and we we are, we are, we will be launching the press on the 10th of June out of the studio. And the press is to have different kinds of conversations around production. I'm so it's around how do we then account for I'm touch, tactility, sensation, surface, texture as part of the creative process because and. And for me, then, how do we then talk about the book 
is also an object. So naturally, a lot of the conversations around the photograph is because it's locked into its content. It then sidesteps that the photograph is also an object or an artifact. It has its own thingness. It's almost sculptural in some way. It's almost sculptural in some way. So then, once again, those are the other kind of dialogues that I'm interested in in terms of production. And actually, the, the print quality of the archive book is extraordinary. It's like artisanal. And the way it brings the photography to life through the way it's printed, like the ink on paper, like actually blew my mind. And also the the thought behind it, like even the jacket, the kind of paper jacket that wraps around the book comes out and then becomes a poster, which you can frame. There's actually a framed, oh, is that a it? framed yeah. cover there. And it's the most beautiful image. Of like, heels, yeah. Yeah, heels, but also just the grid, the kind of shape. Is that the drill heels? And the windows. Yes, yeah. 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 Anyway, so that's um sold out because it was a Kickstarter and yeah. they've but it was all an edition as well placed. you made, wasn't it? The Drew Hills. Yes, um Autograph did a did a edition for it as edition a as a fundraiser. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Yeah. And there were leather bound copies as well. They were super exclusive, like fifteen. There was, yes, no latex bound ones or <laughs> not latex. I'm, I'm, I do wanna construct a latex portfolio for the next work because then once again I'm the I'm portfolio has got to be sensuous it's got to be able to to, to be touched or, or not touched yeah, 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 in yeah. some cases so we're going to get to our final questions now okay the first one is if you could do an art heist you can steal any work of art in the world for yourself nicely <laughs> what would it be and why wow my god <laughs> I would have to steal, liberate actually, not steal. Yeah. <laughs> I would liberate a piece of work by Pierre Molinaire, who was always my favorite artist. Pierre Molinaire. Pierre Molinaire. I'm a French surrealist, originally a painter, then went to photography. I would um, liberate a piece of his work. Is liberate in, in what particular? way? What do you mean, liberate like? I don't like the word steal. That's yeah. why. Yeah, right. So when was is he? He's not alive anymore. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm. He, I'm committed suicide actually in 1976. Mm. He's one of the artists that I go back to. What's the work like? It's him in fishnets and heels. Um, his work was made for himself, for him to jack off to basically. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm um, very small prints. I'm. I would then steal me. I would steal now actually. Um, <laughs> Around Ansel Adams. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I saw an exhibition of it probably about six, seven years ago in Greenwich. And, and I'm, if you want to talk about printing, then it's Ansel Adams. That it's, the work just makes you just stop and look. Ansel Adams as well, yeah. And Avedon. Richard Avedon, oh, yeah. God. Oh, oh, my God. But, but what, what is it that these artists do then that, in in the photography in the in the printing that makes you go what is it can you put your finger on it or is it just some alchemical thing that you can't really work out what it is i cannot really work out yeah, what right. it is wow. I, but then i'm i'm i think that the mark of a good piece of work is that it makes you stop mm. it 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 grabs you mm. and just makes you stop there's something about certain artists work that just stops you i'm mm. um, it could be just tonality. It could be whatever it is. I'm, it's just something that the work is doing. So then actually, that's why then there's various artists that I come back to and again and again, 
in terms of music, I am always come back to Nick Cave, mm-hmm. for instance, because that's the thing about his music, his sound, the lyrics that just makes you go. It does something. Yeah, wow. Amazing. I, I know about Molin there because of when Zoe did the tights show in Margate. You know, the show that was all yeah. about the use of the material tights. Yeah, yeah, She's yeah. obsessed with his photography. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah, and she made this whole exhibition. he wasn't in that exhibition. show. No, I can't I think we tried to get one and uh-huh. we couldn't get one. It was really annoying. We had this whole show and it was called Gossamer and it was about the material of tights in all different ways and mediums. Zoe was, Bideau was curious. Yeah, it was such it, a beautiful yeah. show. Um, the other question we ask is, what is your favourite colour and why? <laughs> Black like my men. <laughs> Simple. Succinct. Black like Direct. my men. Black like my men. <laughs> Love. What is the best advice you've ever received when it comes to your art? The best advice, and this was in the early 90s, and basically it's I'm not about being in the right place at the right time. It's about being in the same place for a long time. Mm. And that for me has kept me going. Mm. It's, it was just that. Who, who's that thing? That if you make you? something for 10 years, people are a bit like, hmm. But if you make it for 20 years, suddenly everyone thinks it's like radical. But, yeah. but, but you have to keep at it. Yes, you do. Did, I'm, I'm, you have to keep at it because actually, I'm not sure how else I would breathe outside of the context of being an artist. Yeah. Mm. It'd be, it'd because then there is a privilege to be able to create and put work out there and then have conversations and dialogues whatever. And so outside of that, I I I couldn't survive. <laughs> who, who gave you that advice? Can't remember. I can't remember. Yeah. I, but I'm it's just something that just Yeah, stuck with came you. In. Just that is a stayed beautiful with me. thought for the end of this incredible episode. You're incredible. Thank you so much for I hope we get to studio. meet you again in the future and do another one because I, I you're one of my favourite artists and I think you're extraordinary and I'm so grateful um, to hear you speak today. Thank you so, so much. Thank and you very much. for everyone listening, head to Autograph. It's a gallery in London. Um, it's free to get in, isn't it? Yes, it yeah, is. Yeah, I think it's free to get in. Brilliant. Um, and it's on till September 2023. And we'll post um, images and share details of the exhibition on our Instagram at TalkArt. And you are on Instagram. And it's the Ajamu Studio. Yeah. So that's the one to go for. Studios. There's a few... Yes. 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 Yeah. yes. Um, and we'll also connect with you there. And thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. And we'll be back very soon. Bye. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamond and Russell Toby. Follow us on Instagram at Talk Art, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in today's episode with music by Jack Northover. Subscribe to Talk Art at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and write us a comment. Thanks for listening.